0: Hello, I'm John Brown, Chairman of Beyond Net Zero, and this is Net Zero and Beyond. In this series, we're looking at how the world can get to net zero and the pioneers hoping to make it happen. Each episode looks at a different part of society and a different solution. Today, I look at one of the biggest global contributors to greenhouse gas emissions, the building and manufacturing industry, and in particular, iron and steel. These products are used almost everywhere and they're a vital part of our civilization. They're part of our infrastructure, our buildings, our roads, our cars, aeroplanes and electrical appliances. We need these things, but the steel they use produces around 7% of all greenhouse gas emissions, equivalent to around 60% of all the cars, trucks and buses in the whole world. Today, One tonne of steel generates roughly two tonnes of greenhouse gases. Now, we're going on to the steelworks. This is Doors Lane Coal Coverns. It's a dirty industry, we know this. I mean, we've been seeing a changing steel industry for some time. We've seen the
1: Chinese government once again try to clamp down
0: on pollution levels, and obviously the steel manufacturers are one of the largest. So how can we make steel without generating greenhouse gases? In Sweden, a revolution is happening. A company has been formed that replaces coal with hydrogen in the creation of steel and uses renewable energy sources to create that hydrogen. H2 Green Steel hopes to reduce greenhouse gases in its steel by 95%. And the man responsible for overseeing this is Heinrich Heinrichsen, the company's CEO and my guest today. Good morning. So nice to see you again. Yeah, the same, the same. And thank you for doing this. So not much has changed in steelmaking since the time of Bessemer in 1870 and being uh, supported by Carnegie, producing steel from iron and coal, very powerful elements that cause wars all around the world, notably in Europe. So how are we going to make steel without uh, generating 7% of the world's Greenhouse gases. How how does that happen, Heinrich?
1: I agree that not much has happened on the technology side, but I think uh, behind the scenes, small steps have, of course, been taken. But to abate this uh, CO2 emissions, uh, which is actually two tons of CO2 for one ton of produced steel, you need to do something dramatic. And what we are doing in H2 green steel is that we are taking renewable energy that is coming from hydro. Uh, and from wind and we're using that uh, renewable energy to produce then green hydrogen and the green hydrogen we are using then in a process of direct uh, reduction where we are taking out the uh, coal from the iron in a more environmental friendly way than using them uh, natural gas uh, or COX and and 85% roughly of your cost of running this large scale electrolyzer operation will be electricity. so so. Um, by favorable conditions for renewable energy in northern Sweden. By doing that, we're getting basically green uh, green iron. And the green iron, then we are using them to put into a, a sort of modern steel mill. And that way we are producing green steel at the end of the day, uh, which is reducing CO2 with uh, 95% compared to the traditional routes. I think um, it, it is a mix of technology. None of these technologies are new. And, and I think it is also the timing.
0: So, as a great engineer that you are, you make it sound terribly easy. We just uh, put (laughs) three technologies together and there we are. First of all, the electrolyzers do what many people have done when they were at high school, which is to put electrodes in water and electrolyze it. Very simple separation of hydrogen and oxygen. And now, tell me, this is a massive undertaking, but the steel must be very much more expensive to produce. Green hydrogen has always no, been regarded as notoriously expensive at the moment, and uh, so the process must produce steel could be unaffordable.
1: Yes and no, I would say that uh, it, it's, um, it's correct that the process of producing the green hydrogen makes it uh, more expensive. We're managing to get down the the cost level of the hydrogen to where i think most industries may be expected to be 5 to 10 years from now and i think we can we can achieve that already by 2024 there's not been a steel mill built in Europe since the 1970s. So, of course, the, the, the efficiency and a brand new steel mill will be completely different with automation and digitalization and so on. So that takes off a little bit of, of, of the higher cost in the beginning of the process. But we're ending up somewhere around 20-25% higher sort of cost than, than, um, than the brown steel. But if you add on a price on carbon on the brown steel, you, you very quickly come into a, a level play field. Um, and, and that is the price of carbon, as we speak in Europe today, uh, where it's around 60 to 70 euro per tonne. So I think from that point to view, it, it is a level play field. Another important thing is that uh, what I think a lot of people didn't calculate a few years ago. It sounded a lot when you, you heard 20, 25% more for the steel, that's never going to work. But when you start sort of applying it into what will that make to your bill of material for the complete product? And the same, actually, if you go for a passenger car or for a fridge or a freezer, you actually end up going, when you sort of spread it on the total bill of material, you end up that uh, decarbonizing, not only the steel, but aluminium, rubber, plastic that you put into, for example, a vehicle or a fridge, somewhere around 1% to 1.5% higher product cost on the bill of material. And then you should ask yourself, will you be able to charge a premium on your product by maybe 2% if it is a decarbonized product by maybe 50% to or 75 or 100%? And I think that's what most of our customers are saying yes to uh, in these different sectors, and that's why they are signing on.
0: Interesting. So the, uh, the use of green steel will increase the cost probably of goods but by a very small amount Uh, and that small amount is a contribution by every consumer to reducing greenhouse gases uh, by a significant amount Um, and if everyone adopted green steel then we would reduce greenhouse gases by seven percent which is huge absolutely huge Uh, and that would but that would cover buildings cars appliances and so forth it must be the case that many manufacturers are now demanding green steel is that right
1: yes uh, you're right of course what i foresee and hope happening and that is part of the purpose of our company that is to um, not only build a great company for ourselves but but actually to transform a whole industry and and show the way that this is possible and, and, and create a demand and, and uh, I, I think that we see that coming in now. Now you can it's actually creating a blueprint of the first part here, the large sort of scale of hydrogen production, we're building almost 800 megawatt uh, could be blueprint as the first step in decarbonizing aluminium, sort of fertilizers. it is also um, green ammonia, shipping fuel eventually, and maybe one day even cement. What, what we talked about today
0: with about green steel is something that if we apply to green uh, concrete and cement, then we're beginning to attack 15% of the world's yeah. greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, and there's every opportunity that we can do that. We need to keep pushing. But 15% is more than all the greenhouse gas emissions in the world generated from automobiles, trucks, and buses. So this is a big contribution. Can I just ask you a last question, is why Sweden? And is this something that can only be done in Sweden? Or do you think there are plenty of other places in the world?
1: I think the the sweet spot today to produce green steel will be access to renewable energy at a favorable sort of competitive cost. But also what we were into before, part of it being planable and uh, being a baseload. Where do you find those locations? Yes, it is in northern Scandinavia. I would say northern Sweden, northern Norway, uh, you have those conditions. You will also have it in certain parts of Canada, you can have it in southern South America as, as we speak. But I think if we look 10 years ahead, I, being an optimist, I, I hope that then we will see maybe this first generation of vehicle batteries coming into a second life as stationary sort of uh, backup power and and then you would use these big power banks together with uh, renewable energy production from solar or from wind and then you use batteries to offset them when the wind and so sun is not shining and then suddenly we will have other geographies like southern Spain, Morocco, western Australia coming into play with, with very favorable conditions. So I think that we will see uh, opportunities in, in quite a number of, of uh, the world. But, but I do not see that every country in Europe or, or every country in, in the Americas or Asia will be suitable for this kind of operation. I think that maybe in the future they will they will rather import than sort of green iron. So the, the first two steps in the process. And, and then we can reuse the existing uh, infrastructure, most of it at least, in, in Europe and definitely in the U.S., And that way we can transform an industry actually quite quick. But then we need to build the hydrogen production uh, in areas where where you have the right conditions and then rather import the raw material to the existing industry. That's the way uh, that the world should transform uh, one of the dirtiest industries to become fossil-free.
0: And that's uh, a very optimistic and I hope uh, and I believe a realistic way in the future. But starting today is really important and clearly starting today with three components all integrated together, uh, hydrogen, green iron, steel through a modern mill allows us to produce a a, a product which is environmentally uh, very benign and something which is demanded by manufacturers who have signed up to science-based targets The cost to the consumer may be very slightly higher, but I hope the consumers realize that this is something to pay for for the future, a very small price for a very big change in the environment. Heinrich, thank you very much indeed. Thank you.